Welcome to the Discipleship Discussions Podcast. We believe everyone can be a disciple who makes disciples. Our goal is to help you with this process. Each week, we take the lesson taught through basic discipleship and break it down in a discussion format. Now, let's join today's discussion. Hey, welcome back to our podcast. So glad that you are watching or listening to us. Uh, today's topic is the Holy Spirit. My name is Benji Linder. With me, as always, is Dr. Patrick Latham. So let's get kicked off with a uh, perhaps hot topic. I know you went to seminary. I went to seminary. There are a few things, no matter which type of class we were in, that was always, you know, you can have, be having a class on evangelism, then someone's going to want to bring up alcohol, or you're going to yeah. be on evangelism. Someone's gonna, Anyway, so one of the hot topics was always uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, specifically baptism of the Holy Spirit. So explain to us what that is and what that is not. Yeah, I would see uh, baptism, you know, we use that language, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's indeed scriptural. Um, the, the word baptism speaks of an immersion, you know. You see this other phrase to be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we sometimes we have to be careful about that language. We get a little bit too literal, like we, or, you know, you hear the word baptism and you're thinking of someone being dunked in it. You think filled, we're thinking of a glass and being, uh, or a container being filled with a substance. And really those words are just, um, words that generally speak of the way in which the spirit inhabits our lives. So we got to be careful about being like too literal or too precise with how we view those words. When we speak of the baptism of the spirit, we're just speaking about the spirit comes upon a person and lives within a person. I think it's important too for us to notice the difference between Old Testament mm-hmm. baptism or filling, anointing, whatever word you want to use, and New Testament baptism or filling. In the Old Testament, people, you see Gideon, you see Saul, you see su- others who receive the Spirit for a special work of service at a given time. So, um, Spirit become comes upon even Samson for this mighty kind of one-time work, and then the Spirit goes away. The Lord there was accomplishing His sovereign purposes for Israel at special times. In the New Testament, the Spirit works radically different. The Spirit comes upon a person at the moment of faith and then dwells that person, scripturally speaking, Ephesians 1, permanently forever. You know, I've heard it said the Holy Spirit doesn't treat you like a Motel 6, checks in, then later checks out. This is a permanent deal. And this uh, baptism or filling has some very important purposes. Uh, the, the Spirit brings within it um, what you need spiritually uh, to live life. John 16, guidance, direction, comfort, encouragement. The Spirit brings uh, spiritually what you need to produce Christian virtue. Um, Galatians 6, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit also, Romans 12, gives you spiritual capacities wherein you can serve God in power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, I know, again, that was a hot topic at seminary. Um, you know, someone expecting an outward sign of an inward yes. dwelling. Yeah. Um, and so we, we know that we can't physically see the indwelling 
that picture of being baptized with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit at the moment of salvation. We we can't physically see that. Now, Acts chapter two, they obviously saw you know Spirit mm-hmm. descending on like tongues like fire, which I always like that language. There is kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, second question: How can one recognize the Spirit's Spirit's guidance in their lives, and how can someone recognize the Spirit's guidance versus a personal ambition? Yeah, so that's difficult. And I, I think sometimes as believers, we're going to struggle with that and make mm-hmm. mistakes. I, I, I remember uh, several years ago, like seven years ago, maybe making a mistake in that area, mm-hmm. feeling that the Lord was leading me to do something within my ministry area, even praying about it and being on my knees before the Lord and getting up from that prayer time and thinking and feeling that I had the leadership of the Spirit. And, and you know, I'm a pastor and this is happening. And later I discover, man, I really don't think that was the Spirit's leadership. You know, so it can be a tricky thing. Number one, I'd say to that, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the language there is God-breathed. And it's actually uses a word for the Spirit there in 2 Timothy 3.16. So I always tell people, if you want to know the mind of the Spirit, just read the Bible. That's right. So you, first of all, receive Holy Spirit direction from Scripture. Secondly, you receive Holy Spirit direction from what I guess we could call this words not used in Scripture, but um, impressions or promptings the Spirit may give. Mm-hmm. I think we can sense that as Christians at times. We sense an inner conviction or guidance. John 16, Jesus speaks of this from the Spirit. Now, with that, it's important to note the Spirit will never prompt you to do anything that goes against Spirit-breathed or inspired Scripture. So somebody says, well, the Spirit prompted me to you know, call you a jerk and tell you off. Um, no, he didn't. You it know, wasn't the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. So, um, so, so it's important. You can have those promptings or guidance, but it will always be in alignment. It will never go against the Spirit-breathed book, the Bible. So that's another way. I think also the Spirit can use other people. You know, you see this in Scripture: people uh, being filled with the Spirit and being bold to proclaim the Word of God, and uh, so the, so the Spirit can prompt others to speak in accordance with Scripture in ways that would edify, encourage, or enlighten us spiritually. Um, so, so I think those are the three, you know, possible, you know, you know, really the primary ways the Spirit guides. But I'm really careful to say it always goes back to the Word, man. God's given us that book. Spirit breathe as a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And so there, but, but then you want to be careful. You know, the Spirit's leadership is not just this educational thing alone. Like we've got this manual and textbook and it's cold and devoid of any real world personal meaning. It's not just an educational thing. It's an experiential mm-hmm. thing as well mm-hmm. that I should know what it's like to have the Spirit's comfort, guidance, enlightenment in my heart, soul, and mind. Um, but that should always be in alignment with the Bible. Absolutely. And there are times I firmly believe this, what you just described, similar situation, um, six years, no, seven years ago, actually, mm-hmm. 2013, uh, felt really, really compelled. And 
uh, did something and, uh, you know, I, I made a change, vocational change, got out mm-hmm. of ministry because I thought the Lord wanted me in Navy, mm-hmm. in the Navy and I, everything lined up. So I kept saying, God, if this isn't your will, close the door, which is probably the most moronic thing to ever say mm-hmm. because we can make doors open no yeah. matter what. And so I, most humbling event of my life was when I realized I totally um, just wrecked an opportunity and but by God's grace was allowed to be back in ministry and here I am today and so firmly believe the spirit will guide but always have some checks and balances and then also on the flip side of that for me it's just like we don't know as much as we like to think we know yeah, you know to right. say spirit's going to guide us to do this in 10 years well maybe 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 not no one predicted the COVID-19 outbreak mm-hmm. and so no one knew that now I'm sure there was someone out there on the internet that wrote a blog in 1993 Um, but we didn't know it was going to end up like this so being very careful to go lord willing this Mm -hmm. is what we'll do lord willing we feel like the spirit's guiding us in this direction yeah you gotta be real sensitive there and you um i've heard the story i think it was charles ryrie it's one of those guys one Mm -hmm. of those kind of theologians out of the out of dallas i think it was ryrie i heard the story that he was uh in in a worship service there was a young preacher there that he had mentored who was preaching. The preacher uh, got up and uh, kind of openly admitted, I haven't studied. I'm just going with what the Spirit leads me to do. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and so he, he preaches, he rants and raves, he yells, he weaves in a bunch of stories, doesn't stick with Scripture, preaches way too long, way past the, the time allotment that had been given to him. When he's finished, he sits down in front row next to uh, Charles Ryrie and says, yeah, sorry about that. The Holy Spirit just got all over me. And Ryrie's response was, you ain't going to blame that mess on the Holy Spirit. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. Uh, and the, the, we've all been there. Yeah. I always get a little nervous. There's a little hiccup in my step when I hear someone said, the Lord's led me to do this this yeah. morning. I didn't plan on this. I'm always like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to be careful there because the Scripture does you know, warn about attributing things to the Holy Spirit right? That or attributing things of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to the Satan or not attributing things to the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not saying what we're committing is sin of blasphemy when we do there, but but Jesus did talk about this sin of bla- speaking evil. That's what blasphemy is, speaking evil to the Holy Spirit. So, man, you just there should be a lot of fear and trepidation when it comes to attributing things to the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's some movements within mainstream evangelical Christianity made us a little bit flippant in that regard, mm-hmm. where we can easily assign things to the Spirit. Got to be on guard against that. Absolutely. So let's talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, give us a brief definition of what those are, and um, how does someone, I guess, separate, if that's even a thing, separate a natural gifting versus a spiritual gifting? Yeah, so um, the Greek word in Romans 12 Six and following is the word uh, charisma, you know, and that's where the charismatic movement gets the title for charismatic. Mm -hmm. We often think of charismatic being like an outgoing personality. Mm -hmm. Um, The word really refers to a giftedness, and maybe that's how the word charismatic was originally used. Now Mm -hmm. we think of an outgoing, charismatic, flamboyant person, but originally just refers to a giftedness. So in Scripture, you see that the, the Holy Spirit produced different types of gifts. There are what you could call uh, sign gifts, and those are outlined in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And those were, you know, first century scope designed to validate the, the message of the apostles. A lot of people will get messed up there. If you go back to Exodus chapter 3, 
And you see when uh, Exodus chapter 3 and following, when Moses is called, he's got this concern, Lord, how will people believe me when, when I bring this message that I'm the servant of the Lord and we're going to be released from slavery? Lord says, what's that in your hand? A serpent throwed on the ground. And, or no, what's that in your hand? Stick. A, sti- yeah, a, yeah. a staff, throw it on the ground, That's it staff. becomes a, a serpent, right? Mm-hmm. So the Lord, at that point, started this deal with his prophets, his messengers, that he uh, validates or confirms their message or any type, sort of new revelation with a, a sign, a wonder, a miracle. So when you see the New Testament scene, Hebrews chapter 2, I think verse number 3 says, the Lord confirmed this new gospel message in Jesus with many signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. So the Lord, when he does a new movement at the outset, you know, pre-programs are built, builds into the initial messengers, these signs and wonders. And Paul talks about as an apostle, we had these signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. Revelation says there's only 12 apostles. So these sign gifts were for that apostolic age to confirm that new movement because that's how the Lord works. The Jews knew there would be signs to confirm a new movement. So you see that life of Jesus and the apostles. So you have those sign gifts. Then you would have what I call spiritual leadership gifts. Ephesians chapter four, uh, the Lord talks about he gave some to be apostles, prophets, um, evangelists, pastor teachers. Mm-hmm. So there's these spiritual leadership gifts, sign gifts, spiritual leadership gifts, and then lastly, the ones that, that are most meaningful to us nowadays are the uh, service gifts, Romans chapter 12. Each one of you has been given a gift and you should use it is the, the heart of scripture there. And so he lists many like, uh, you know, there's uh, teaching, there's leadership, there's administration, mercy, mercy yeah. mm-hmm. and there, there's some more there. So um and really, what's neat, if you go and read one of Peter's letters, he speaks of as well, and he breaks down all of those into two broad ca- categories, speaking gifts and service gifts. Mm-hmm. So um, the Lord's given these for use within the local church, Ephesians 4, 11 and following, for building up the church, edifying, encouraging God's people for the work of evangelism. We've all got a gift, and I believe it's one of those Romans 12 gifts, mm-hmm that we are to leverage for gospel advancement in this world. Yeah. And just because someone has a natural gifting in any of those doesn't necessarily mean it's a spiritual gift. Like we probably need to be a little careful. Although you're good at speaking, it doesn't mean that God has called you to be an evangelist or anything like that. Uh, But in the same way, you you want to leverage natural gifting. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We wouldn't be the church we are today without people who have natural gifts in so many different areas. I think of you and I at seminary, how many classes did you have in finance? Uh, zero. Same for me. Like <laughs> yeah. I took a club test for math. Yeah. And so, uh, but I'm grateful for people who have giftings in finance and mathematics yeah. and things like that. We would not be the church we are today. Tabernacle as well as Capital C Church without those. Yeah. An important thing to, you know, note there is that a spiritual gift is a gift that produces spiritual change. That's right. A natural gift can produce natural change. Mm-hmm. So what we have to be on guard against is having a completely natural focus to all of the ways we minister and what we do. We got to make sure we have a supernatural focus and a spiritual focus that, and that's what spiritual gifts do. They produce a supernatural effect. 
So one may be able to teach, but if they don't have the spiritual gift of teaching, when they teach, you're not going to see people supernaturally, spiritually transformed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's even a problem in the church that sometimes people serve where they don't have either. You know, they don't have the natural <laughs> right, or the right. spiritual. I don't mean to be ugly. They look at yeah. teaching and they think, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. They need me. And somehow in God's grace, sometimes he uses that when somebody just steps up and fills a need. But you don't see the spiritual and supernatural leverage that you could see that, wow, there's really this movement of God because they're not serving within the area of their true spiritual giftedness. Yeah, And to pivot that point, one of the reasons why I think some people fall into teaching because they think that's the only area of service yeah, at a church. And I think is. that's an organizational problem that we'll have to talk about at another podcast. I don't know your yeah, heartbeat there as yeah, well. Yeah, another thing you could um, note there is that somebody may not seem to be naturally gifted. This was the case with Paul, mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 2, right? Naturally, it's not like people want to be like, he's the greatest speaker or teacher. Not naturally gifted, maybe, but spiritually is. Mm-hmm. So when he teaches and preaches, it's supernatural. People sit there's there's life change, mm-hmm. there's salvations, there's a response that people have to say, "Wow, that it's spiritual, it's mm-hmm. supernatural, it's a spiritual gift." Naturally, considering things, it shouldn't happen, but right. because he has a spiritual gift, it it, it produces an effect. For sure, for sure. So let's do four quick hitters, four commands of the Holy Spirit um, as far as obedience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, listen to that in a sermon years ago. Never forgot it. I pray it every day. So the two do's and two don'ts. Do number one, be filled. Do number two, walk in. Do not quench and do not grieve. Brief de- definition of each. We'll start with be filled. Uh, be filled is the idea of being controlled. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's, the, I think, the best meaning there. I've studied that and preached on that. This idea of being controlled, allowing yourself to be under the Spirit's influence. I mean, you've got the metaphor there, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing we get that messed, messed up on field. Like, how much of it do I have? You've got all of it. Get the metaphor. It's just like being drunk. You're a, mm. you're a different kind of drunk. You're influenced. Yeah, you're sure. influenced. Yeah. You're LUI, living under the influence of spirit. You're being right. controlled. So uh, that one, controlled. Walk, walk, walk is the idea of an abiding relationship, mm-hmm. step by step, doing life with the spirit, everything you do. Uh, walk for the Jews was a way of describing your daily life. So your entire daily life, you're considering the spirit and you're with the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um the third, so do not, well, the first do not, do not quench the Spirit. Yeah, first do not quench. Uh, you know, I think that refers to the fact that the Spirit can have dominion and power over our lives and have a powerful effect on who we are and what we do. Uh, but through not considering the Spirit, not thinking about the Spirit, living life with no regard for the Spirit, um, we can cut off, stifle its powerful effect in our life. Absolutely. And we've all experienced that. Uh, Do not grieve the spirit, Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve. It goes through our lifestyle, you know, through words, actions, thoughts, and deeds. We can engage in things that, in a sense, sadden the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That, um, you know, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we live in ways that are contrary to it, it really does grieve, sadden the spirit. Great point there to be made. The Spirit, when Jesus speaks of the Spirit, He uses the word He. It's not an it. It's not it. It's the Spirit. He is right. uh, the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a personal pronoun there, mm-hmm. right? So 
um, with that grieve idea you see, it's that this is a relationship mm -hmm. and you can really hurt the spirit in a sense when you don't consider that relationship and his presence and his desires. Good. Hey, those are good answers. You passed a pop quiz, the yeah. uh, after seminary pop quiz yeah. on, on pneumatology. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We hope you check out our next episode. Thank you for joining us today for our discussion on basic Christian life. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast. For show notes, visit us online at basicdiscipleship.net. If you have any questions about the materials presented in this discussion, or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info at basicdiscipleship.net. Thanks for listening.